everybody, and welcome to another episode of Bearded Things. I'm your bearded host. My name is Chris. I'm here with my buddy, Tyler. Tyler, say hello. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, man? I am good. Uh, past the visit that we talked about last time, the uh, big corporate visit, so still have a job. Woo! That's always good. Uh, yeah, always a positive. Um yeah, it's just kind of just chugging away. Uh, it's already freaking September, which is, well, middle of September. It's crazy how time flies. Like, February was like nine years long, and then the rest of the year has gone by in like two weeks. It's insane. Yeah, and like last week, it's crazy that we we recorded a week ago. It feels like it's been the longest and the shortest week at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's really, yeah, it's funny you say that because I feel the same. Like when I was like working on my script today, I was like, man, I feel like we haven't done this in forever. And I was like, it was literally a week ago. Yeah. But, you know, maybe it's all the smoke that we're inhaling. It's messing with our, our lungs and our brains just not functioning. Yeah, we have the whole like pandemic thing going on. So like we're already like isolated and distanced. And now yeah. we have a fire going on. It's the worst wildfire in California's history. And we are recording from Southern California. Yep. So we're kind of getting it all on all sides right now. Yeah, it's been ins- I mean, we don't have like the crazy orange glows they have up north and like I know Oregon's got crazy fires going on as well. Like we're getting we don't have the fires thankfully. It sounds kind of morbid to say that. I know there's a lot of people that are well, losing y- their homes and a lot of people have been hurt and like we've had our share of fires in the last couple of years in our area. But we're dealing with the smoke aspect of it where we're just getting the poor air quality and ash on our cars and ash in our lungs and yeah, yeah and able to breathe when we go outside. You're uh you're a little bit further out than I am from it. I'm about I, I think it's about 20 miles away from me. The uh, the Bobcat fire, the one that was started yeah, up in Big Bear. Yeah, right near Big Bear. Yeah, the the one that started with the baby reveal. Yep, yep. Now, call me old-fashioned, but like when uh when your son was born, right? It wasn't a crazy destructive party. Like I remember going to the hospital, we had scotch, I brought cigars. Mm-hmm. which is a great place to do it in the hospital, but... Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, we're there. If anything went wrong, they could help us. But, yeah. you know, it was an old-fashioned, traditional thing. Nobody got hurt. And so I'm just putting it back out there, guys. We don't got to get fancy anymore. Yeah, the baby reveal stuff is a little... Or the gender reveal, excuse me. We all know it's a baby, hopefully. <laughs> you know, have some lizard creature coming out of you. Uh, the gender reveal, it's... it's I think it's it's played its course uh i don't think especially i mean okay uh southern california we're very liberal as a state i think i'm very kind of like open-minded and liberal thinking myself um when it comes to gender reveals like we i don't think we should be putting too much stock in that especially now with like you know the more we think about we learn about mental health and how kids develop and everything like that like there is something to be said about like gender fluidity and stuff like that it's like why are you going to slap that label on a kid right off the bat? I'm not saying don't call him a boy, don't call him a girl. I'm just saying why do we need to announce it to the world and set up fucking fireworks that start a fire that's burning and destroying stuff. Like, it's unnecessary. And purely for selfish reasons, it makes it much harder to, like, buy gifts for the kid when you're, like, <laughs> stringing it out. Just be like, look, we're having a boy. And then, yeah. you know, then you'll be like, okay, cool. I'm going to get him some kind of gender neutral fun stuff. Yeah, buy a bunch of yellow shit, a bunch of green shit, and you call it a day. You don't care if it's a boy or girl. Like, yeah, it's fine. It, you don't, yeah, it's, we don't got to destroy the forest. I'm just putting that out there. Right? Yeah, there's already enough going on in the world right now. Let's not add forest fires to it. Smokey would be so disappointed in us. 
Yeah. Smokey, is, he's just pissed. He threw his hat down. He's going home. <laughs> yeah, fuck this shit. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a meme today that someone uh, made of, like, the, the state flag. And it's just, like, the on the very left part of the flag is the back half of a bear. And it's like, the bear's given up and gone home. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it ain't wrong, man. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of a lot going on in the world today, I just want to say uh, two words, one sentiment. The number four. What? I thought you might say that. And so the number four is significant today for uh, two reasons. Well, I guess technically three. One, the NFL is back with uh, limited Woo! seating. and But, I mean, as a big sporting fan myself, it's great to see the Los Angeles-Oakland Raiders of Las Vegas win by four. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers, which is your team, lose by four. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I just want to say, boom. And also, that's going to be our only win this season. I'm well aware of that. <laughs> Give me my moment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, it's okay. It happens. Um, the Niners didn't play their best game. Um, I won't make too many, too many excuses. I know they have a lot of players on the, the injured reserve right now and are on the COVID list and people that are out. Uh, and Arizona's sneaky good this year. Kyler Murray is pretty good for being like a five foot nothing quarterback um, yeah. he's got some pretty good skills they got some good weapons around him you know i think was deandre hopkins is there now so like arizona is gonna be sneaky good in the west um i also think the nfc west is probably the best division top to bottom in the nfl right now if you look at you know like the rams the seahawks the 49ers and the cardinals um they're putting in work uh aside from the afc west which is where your Las Vegas, Oakland, Anaheim Raiders. It's the are Los from. Angeles, um, Oakland Raiders of Las Vegas. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. You guys can't pick a city to stay in long enough. I can't. I can't memorize what team you're in um, or what town you're in. You know, it's it's the Chiefs, and that's about it. Everyone else in the division kind of blows. So at least my division's competitive. So you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm a huge Raider fan, but I'm also like very aware. I'm like not in denial at all that they're the Raiders, that they are the Raiders. And <laughs> like the one thing a lot of people forget is that they lead. <laughs> I think it's all of American sports with penalties. <laughs> so that's something to be uh, proud about. So I am. I, I, I'm OK with dirty play. I like it. I went to a, a very ghetto public high school, played ball there, and we kind of had the same. This rules. is true. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, man. Uh, so let's get on with the show, shall we? Let's do that. Good catching up with you. Uh, I forget. I went first last time. Or did you go first last time? I went first last time, right? Uh, you did go first last time, so I'm up. Uh, I'm going oh. to be covering a haunted oh, yeah. place. It's going to be the Island of the Dolls or uh, the Isla de las Muñecas. Fuck that. I think I remember an episode of destination truth or something like that i actually i, I talk about that so oh, okay cool i won't ruin it yeah that's one of my favorite episodes of that show josh gates if you're listening i love you i love you man i actually talk about loving josh gates as well so yeah nice. <laughs> uh i am covering a very specific plague which plagued um parts of france in the 16th century <laughs> too soon man too soon <laughs> it's a very it's a unique play, plague we'll, we'll see when we get there okay awesome so uh without further ado I, should we just jump right in and get it started yeah let's do it awesome uh so uh, just a quick personal update i did uh, go to my periodontist to take a look at frank 
Oh yeah, how's Frank doing? Frank's doing okay. If you're just catching up, Frank is a dead man who now resides in my jaw. Uh, I had a bone graft, and they had to go do some things, and uh, they there was like this weird. I don't want to get into like graphic detail, but there was this weird membrane that was over my jawbone and exposed, and they just recently ripped that out. <laughs> so. Uh, I'm trying to still talk again, but it's a little bit better. So th- I might stumble here and there. Uh, <laughs> don't mind me. I'm sorry. All I heard was there's a man that lives in your mouth and something about a membrane tearing. So it sounds like you're having some fun over there in L.A. <laughs> That's pretty accurate. Oh, and, and with that, uh, so the they did a bone graph and they used a cadaver bone that was ground up and shoved into my face cavity. And uh, I named him Frank. I, I don't know him, but he seems to be doing well in there. So good job, Frank. <laughs> good. <laughs> All right. Back to the story. So Island of the Dolls or Isla de las Muñecas, just south of Mexico City between the canals of I'm going to butcher this and I am sorry, <laughs> uh, my friends in DFA. Uh, between the canals of Zochimico, you can find a small island with a sad background, which never really intended to be a tourist destination. The island is known as the Island of the Dolls. Now, I sense your questions. Chris, why is it called the Island of the Dolls? Well, listener, I'm glad you asked. It's because it's a very small island and it's completely covered in dolls. And that's my story. Good night. I'm done. I love it. <laughs> okay, kidding. There's a little bit more, so we will uh, delve into that. And let's find Are they out. little dolls? Is that why there's a little bit more? There's uh, big ones, small ones, some the size of your head. And so also. The beginning of a Willy Wonka movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's also demons, but we'll get to that in a second. Whoa, okay. Let's find out why this small island is covered in dolls. The story of the island is intimately entwined with the story of Don Julian Santana Barrera. A native of, I'm so sorry, my friends, Xochimilco, <laughs> a rural town outside of Mexico City. Don Julian left his wife and family sometime in the mid-20th century to sequester himself on an island on Tishuilo Lake. The island itself isn't very big at all. It's roughly around 100 feet in diameter along an ancient Aztec river peppered with similar type small islands. So it's kind of like a river rerouted to cut directly through some farmland, and then the mm. high points stayed above the water. Yeah. Very murky, somewhat shallow water, full of Mexican jungle snakes. <laughs> so it's not like a very welcoming place. <clears throat> His reasonings for going aren't exactly clear, but it's believed that Barrera was not necessarily sane. It's been long rumored that he did have some sort of mental disorder, um, I don't want to delve into what it might be because it doesn't really say, but he wasn't in his right mind if he moved to an isolated island covered in yeah, snakes. Yeah, leave your family and leave an isolated island. doesn't sound like you're in the right state of mind. Yeah, not exactly in a good place in his life. Or your wife just really nags you. You're like, ugh, got to get away from her. <laughs> Going to an isolated island covered in yeah. snakes. I'm out. <laughs> not long after relocating, he made a chilling discovery on the shores of his island the body of a young girl who drowned in the river. Mm -hmm. A doll came floating down the canal shortly afterward, changing the course of Santana Barrera's life and the shape of the island for years to come. Alone on the island, Barrera took the doll and hung it from a tree in order to appease the spirit of the deceased girl. But, at least in the eyes of the man who now considered himself the island's caretaker, the one doll was not enough. 
For the next 50 years, Santana Barrera would scrounge dolls from trash cans, from, from the canals, in the streets, anywhere he could find them, and hang them from the island's many trees. Some he'd hang whole, and others were in various states of rot and despair. They were headless, torso-less, taken apart, and just, they're, they're bad. Uh, we will definitely be attaching some pictures so you can actually see what some of these dolls look like. Mm-hmm. Picture a doll from your nightmare. <laughs> that's the best way to describe what these dolls look like i have lots of dolls from the nightmares that where my grandma used to live i can just picture all those weird creepy dolls floating down the river and ending up on a tree yeah and that's i've seen some of those dolls and those dolls are terrifying and pretty accurate to what happened on this island perfect now full disclosure this could very well all be bs in fact there are many doubts and questions surrounding this legend the biggest question is the reality of the little girl who died Many people, including Don Julian's own family, didn't believe that he ever found the girl. Although whether they believe he made it up, imagined the experience, or was somehow mistaken isn't so clear. What is clear is that whether the girl existed or not, Don Julian devoted the rest of his life to her. And perhaps creepiest of all, even the end of his life had clear ties to the story of the drowned girl. Oddly, ironically, maybe creepy enough, (laughs) in 2001... Don Julian Santana Barrera passed away. His body was discovered, you guessed it, drowned in the canal, in the exact place he always said he'd seen the little girl. In response, tourists began flocking to the island to pay tribute. They brought dolls of their own, and to this day, people honor both Santana Barrera and the girl, whether she was real or not, by hanging up dolls in tribute. You can do so too. Many fairies stop here making it kind of a macabre must-see on any tour of these ancient Aztec canals. Maybe isn't like a ship, right? Yeah. Like a boat, a ferry boat? Pretty much, yeah. You, it's like okay. this crazy canoe-looking thing because uh-huh. uh, the waters aren't very deep. So, yeah, you, you're in this canal where, like, what's the, uh, the in Italy where they kind of push you along in the boats? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Like, yeah. Gondola. It's like Gondolas, a, it's yeah, like a big go, gondola. Yeah. Uh, okay, you said fairies. I was picturing like Tinkerbell and her people <laughs> flying around the island. That's a whole other Mexican thing that we will be getting into at some point. There's uh, a whole legend about fairies over there that's terrifying. Uh, many people, in fact, do. The island is completely covered in dolls and giant Mexican jungle spiders. <laughs> giant. They're huge and disgusting. So that's a very hard pass for me. <laughs> True so you're st- saying we're going to go live on the Mexican island of the dolls. If we can like get funded and uh, get a trip out there and where we can record overnight, I'll do it, but I won't be happy. <laughs> I'll say yeah. that. Uh, true story. I was actually in the next town over with some uh, friends and they outvoted me on going to the island. And so we were talking to one of the locals and the, the local warned us. That at nighttime, that's when the spirits are walking on the island. And most fairies won't actually go there. If they have to take trips out at night, they generally go the long way to avoid the island altogether. (laughs) Nice. Then they suggested we eat cricket tacos, and that also was a hard pass for me. I mean, don't knock it until you try it. You know, it was tempting, and I know there's like a lot of uh, cultural stuff with that. Like it was a Mm -hmm. delicacy for the Aztecs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> All I'm saying is it didn't work out for the Aztecs, and they ate the tacos. That's that's true, I guess. I had nothing to do with smallpox, but yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, after Barrera's odd death, his brother and nephew have taken over the island. 
They only go out during the day and only to maintain the dilapidated shack that Barrera lived in. And every time, they have reportedly said that they must bring a doll or an offering to make sure that they are safe. The dolls that live there are said to be haunted by spirits that are passing through. There have been claims that they move on their own, some of them laugh without having batteries, and in the center of the island, in the middle of a shack, there's a small shrine with the original doll said to have belonged to the little girl. So, this is my favorite part. (laughs) There's a TV show I love with a host I'm not ashamed to say I have a hosting man crush on. The show was Destination Truth with Josh Gates. See? Told you. Mm-hmm. They did an episode on the island, and they had to go to the local bruja, which is kind of like a Mexican version of a witch doctor, mostly against old wives' tales and superstitions instead of, like, doing voodoo-type stuff, although they do dabble with that. The bruja said they need to offer a ritual sacrifice of tobacco and candy to appease the spirits to ensure their safety. Out of respect, they followed the bruja's instructions. Once there, the show went through the typical ghost investigation type trope with night vision cameras, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, which we will be covering later, Mm -hmm. the whole nine. The nephew pointed out one doll in particular and said that this doll moves and her eyes will follow you. They paid extra attention to that one. The camera was on a mid-close-up so you can see the entire doll and Josh Gates' face. He's (laughs) essentially nose-to-nose with the thing, and he said, I swear if this thing moves, I'm quitting. (laughs) Sure enough, its eyes opened. He, in fact, did not quit, but it scared the crap out of me sitting in the safety of my own couch a thousand miles away. Mm -hmm. Now imagine an entire island of possessed demon dolls. That's literally what's there, waiting for you if you dare. Now I'm not scared of a whole lot, but this one I would totally sit out on. Again, they have giant spiders. Chris does not do spiders. (laughs) (laughs) Now if you want to go there, you need to know that it's not particularly easy to reach the island. The best bet is to take a ferry from Embarca... <laughs> I'm sorry, I never took a Spanish class. Embarcadero Guamanco or from Embarcadero Fernando Calida. If you're interested in taking the trip, here are some reviews from TripAdvisor. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And it does have a solid four-star rating, so that's great. There you go. Yeah, not bad. So go to the Embarcadero Guamanco entrance. There are 11 docks exot so it can be confusing to know which one is the best for the Island of the Dolls. It should cost you around $100 US, like 2,000 pesos. It's not bad. It's a four-hour uh, ride, regardless of how many people you have with you. So make sure to let your boat operator know that you want to go to the real Doll Island. <laughs> of course, because there's going to be fake Doll Island. Yeah, we were led to the fake one, but knew better and then uh, charged more money. Make the price and destination clear before your departure. You can buy food and drinks, but I'd suggest to bring your own. So that was a four-star rating. Here's a one-star rating. (laughs) Absolutely terrible and horrifying. I took my four-year-old daughter here thinking it was a land of dollhouses and happiness. (laughs) 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 But it was like a horror maze of dead people's lost toys. They should advertise it as what it is and not what they want people to think it is. Not the happy fairy tale I was hoping for. So... uh, That's awesome. How do you not Google that shit before you take a four-year-old? Come on. And then it's a four-hour trip on top of that on a boat. Yeah, that so. sucks. <laughs> so if you do go or if you have been, please let us know. Uh, it sounds horrific and terrifying. And again, giant spiders. And I'm not okay with the giant spiders. Yeah. That's cool. That 
I like I said, I I love Destiny's Truth. I love Josh Gates. So I had seen that episode, and it's one of my favorite episodes from that show. But that's the it's so crazy. I always forget about like all the other shit about like how he died and like how like he was in that same spot, and then like his brother and uncle or whatever it is, like they they take over and like they're they're still watching it, but they're like, nope, nope, we're not doing it during the nighttime. We're bringing the doll every time. Like they for, whether or not it was bullshit or not, like the the family at least they they believe it. That's cool. Yeah, and they still support his, uh, you know, what he set out to do, which is kind of like protect this little girl's spirit. Yeah. And th- that whole area is very creepy. I mean, it's a f- I think it's like 10 miles away from um, the-, the giant pyramids, the uh, Avenido de los Muertos mm-hmm. with the Pyramid of the Sun, which is the biggest pyramid, I believe, on Earth or one of, if not the. Uh, the I think pi- it's the biggest in the Southern Hemisphere. Maybe. It's huge. Yeah, I forget. Uh, so it's just a few miles from there, and there's so much mysticism and spirituality there. Um, I, I really believe something like this could be possible because it's just so ingrained in the culture already. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man, cool. that is that my great. story. Yeah. So I think we're going to get ready to get into banter with the Beardsleys. But that's true. Yeah, time for a commercial break. Woo! Pay them bills. And welcome back. Uh hope you enjoyed that brief commercial break. And now it's time to get into some banter with the Beardsleys. Absolutely. And what is banter with the Beardsleys? Banter with the Beardsleys is it's our well, I mean the whole podcast is fun, but it's our really our fun, unscripted, off the cuff where we hopefully get listener submitted feedback. So if you are listening to this, please, 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 please give us some feedback. Uh, go to any of our social medias or our website and just say, hey, I want you to talk about this. I want to hear your guys' take on it. And we will gladly pull them first come, first serve. Come As they come in, we'll, we'll read them on the air and we'll talk about it. Um, in lieu of that, we have the super fancy, highly technologically advanced uh, random conversation generator. And Absolutely. we just kind of, we talk about it, we do our thing, and then we move on. It's kind of a nice little break between topics. Yeah, and um, what's happening right now is a computer, uh, a robot is taking your job. And you need to yes. take the jobs back. This is the only way we can defeat Skynet. So if you want us to talk about anything, literally anything, from food to creepy stuff to sports, we can talk about that. Yeah. Please. So yeah, let us know, please. <laughs> So tonight's right. subject is, uh, it's a good one. It's a little bit meta, and I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah, we haven't done anything super meta or heavy in a while, so that's good. Yeah. Do you ever doubt the existence of others? Like others, like the movie others, or like I doubt that you exist as another person? Like I exist as another person. Uh, like what? So, for example, uh, right out of high school, uh, I was going to in and out with a, a mutual old acquaintance of ours. Uh, I won't name him here. He's a big dude. I'll just say that. You, you know mm. what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yes. So we're at a, uh, a fast food place, and we're in line, and it kind of hit me like, what if all of this is fake? Like, what if I'm actually in a coma somewhere, and this is all happening in my brain? Ah, okay. Like, is there any way to know that you're not experiencing, you're not like in a dream state or you're not actually part of, uh, you know, what's that called? The um, simulation theory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, you just pinch yourself. If you pinch yourself, you feel the pain, you wake up. You're not in a dream anymore. 
Yeah, but like, have you ever pinched yourself in a dream? No, because I know I've been dreaming every time. <laughs> I feel like whenever I dream, like I very rarely, even when I have like vivid dreams, I'll wake up and like I'll know that I was dreaming. Um, and like in the dream, I know like I, I can dream. Like I know I'm dreaming, but like I can't control it. You know what I mean? Like I, I can't like lucid dream, but I feel like, okay, this is a dream. It's not real. Like I very rarely have had like, oh shit, and wake up and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck happened? Well, uh, so I don't pinch myself in my dreams, but I don't know. But like uh, you ever have that dream, just an example where uh, in the middle of the night you wake up and you go get a glass of water and you, you put it on the nightstand and then you wake up in the morning and there is no water. That was all the dream. I'm pretty sure that means you got abducted by aliens. I've never had that happen, I <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that uh, kind of crap happens to me a lot. I have very vivid dreams. So at times it can be uh, difficult for me to differentiate my dream from the real world while I'm in the dream. Mm. Things are just super detailed and vivid and it drives me nuts. It sounds like you have a lot of uh, sleep that is helped by certain <laughs> products that induce sleepiness. Uh, some and, of those products, uh, relaxation. Actually, they actually help not have that, which is a great relief. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, which is all completely legal in the state it's, of California, yeah, by the way. Absolutely. Uh, California, Nevada, pretty much the entire West Coast. Yeah. So I'm just Because we rule. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry. We're way off topic. Um, right. <laughs> so have I ever, was it debated the existence of others or like questioned the existence of others? Yeah. Um, was there any point where you just, you weren't sure if this was like, if, if you were in the real world? Um, I don't think so. Um, I think for the most part, I've always been like fairly aware of like surroundings and stuff like that. I haven't been like, this isn't weird. I have this weird thing, uh, which I don't, I don't know how to necessarily describe it and not sound like a crazy person, um, <laughs> but I guess this is like a good time to talk about it. I have this thing where I can like, if I look at someone for like, you know, how when you look at something like off the distance, like you kind of get like the tunnel vision and everything goes dark around you and everything, you know? Yeah. I kind of have this thing where like, I've done it since I was a kid. That if I, someone I know and I look at them long enough and like I can, if like I can stare at them without like staring into their eyes and being weird, but I can just like look at them without them noticing, which sounds really creepy. I know. I'm sorry. Um, as long as you're doing like, it while you're breathing through your mouth and cleaning a link exactly, out of your yeah, belly button. Like, <laughs> just like touching myself. Um, <laughs> no, but like if I can like stare at someone like when they're not really paying attention and look at them for a decent amount of time. Um it's kind of this thing or like, I don't want to say I see like an aura, but I can see a different version of that person. Um, and I always like, don't the best way I can describe it is saying like, I see like their true self. Um, and I've done it. Like, I see, it sounds weird to do it. Like it's something I can control. It's just something that I've noticed that when I look at people, like I used to, like it used to happen with my brother a lot. Um, and it's happened with like, some of my exes, um, you know, like some of my friends, like I've been able to like look at them and just see them differently. So I don't know if that is something, and like I've never questioned like, oh, like this isn't real, like that's not the right person. It just feels like I could see a different like version of it. I don't know. That sounds crazy to say. Um, well, uh, kind of. And I mean, there's a um, I forget what it's called, but it's a type of matrixing that your eyes do, and it's the theory behind something like Bloody Mary. Right. We'll go with that for an example. Mm. If you sit in a dim bathroom and stare into a mirror, your eyes will start adjusting and making things make sense. 
and yeah. very often it'll the reflection stays the same but looks off. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, that's the best way I can try and translate that. No, and there is I forget I forget the technical term. I have to look it up. It's something I actually want to cover. But there is a thing where it's like we see like faces, we see humanoid shapes in objects that aren't necessarily facial features or humanoid shapes because we try to put our brain tries to put a familiar light on what we're seeing if we don't really understand what it is. Our 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 eyes are seeing one thing. Our brain can't interpret what it is, so it just kind of makes shit up. Um. So there's that, like, I understand that. Like, I feel like, I don't know, like, this doesn't seem like that, like, I'm not trying to put a face on something or, like, trying to, like, figure out what it is. It's just, I feel like I see a different version of people. And so maybe that is, like, you're saying, like, if it's, um, like, not seeing others, like, we're not in the same plane, but it just sees, like, a different version of them. Like, maybe, maybe I'm slowly tapping into my quantum physics and I'm able to see into alternate realities or alternate dimensions. I don't know. But that would be the closest thing to something like that i think um just because like i said i've never like thought like oh we're in a simulation or like this is all computer but something very similar kind of like that is like where i can stare at people and be weird um, <laughs> and uh hopefully not get caught and people are like why the fuck are you staring at me i'm like oh i'm trying to see your true self man <laughs> um but yeah, so I don't know. That's my long rambling explanation that doesn't really explain anything. <laughs> gotcha. That that kind of <laughs> makes sense in a way too. Um, I guess a, a, another way to look at it would be, um, and it's a, a weird exercise that I've always liked. And uh, I've mentioned before, I'm a magician and it's something that I incorporate into my act pre-pandemic because now there are no acts. <laughs> but uh, so imagine, if you will, um, what's on like imagine a sandwich on your kitchen counter. Right mm-hmm. now, remember a dream you had recently. What's uh-huh. the difference between those two memories? Like the grand- sandwich wasn't bleeding. <laughs> 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 you haven't made a sandwich right. That's uh, <laughs> uh, But yeah, I, I mean, the brain does a weird thing with that where a, a memory and a false memory can live in the same place which I think is a, an interesting thing. And it's actually something I'm going to be talking about later as well. So oh, bitch. I, say, I actually have that on my list. That's something I want to cover is how <laughs> the brain does memories. Uh, we can actually, we'll, we'll talk about that one later. We can work it out because yeah. there's some stuff I want to <laughs> incorporate with that. But yeah, I guess that's a, a that's, it, it was an interesting, odd meta question. And I don't yeah. think there's like a quote right answer to it. So, but we did find out that you see auras. So that's kind of yeah. Cool. I was like, I don't think we answered the question. <laughs> we went on a couple of weird tangents, but uh, yeah, it's something I can think of. Um, was that kind of weird? Yeah, that thing, which is something I actually want to talk about later on in the podcast. I'm going to bring that up as an episode and talk about weird stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's absolutely fascinating. So cool. Yeah, this has been our banter with the Beardsley's Corner. Uh, I'm still looking for the perfect theme. It's coming, I swear. But yeah, we really need you for this. Don't hesitate. I mean, we'll yes. literally talk about anything. Just let us know what you want to hear. Yeah, please. Seriously, anything. Like, we'll talk about it. Yeah. So now that that's done, it's on to your subject. All right, so kind of tapping into that, um, before we before I begin my story, I want to ask for your guys' help. Um, I want, you know, like we talked about, like send in your feedback, send in your questions. Like I, I would love to hear like insight feedback from you guys, and just like help us with topic episodes. You know, let us know something you want to see, something you want to, or something you want to hear, or an audio medium. You can't see anything other than what we post. Um, so yeah, like send it in. Um, 
I have a pretty good topic list. Um, it's a it's a good size list. Um, some have said it's the biggest they've ever seen. They said it's huge. <laughs> it's uh, very huge. Yeah, it may get bigger. It may get a little bigger. It may not get bigger at all. Um, <laughs> It'll be we'll like a miracle. Happens. Yeah, you never know, you know. Um, but regardless, I am prepared. Um, but like I said, it's a good list. Uh, some people have said it's the best list they've ever seen. Uh, it's not just good. It's the best. That's their words, not mine. So <laughs> maybe the they're right. The problem, <laughs> but I, I just want to hear if you guys have anything you want to, you want to cover, uh, today, I, I kind of struggled with trying to figure something out. Um, some of my topics bleed together. They're similar to things that we've covered recently. So I'm just trying to expand my list a little bit. So, yeah. And um, I, I want to give a quick shout out to Gabby and Loretto Mahalo out in Hawaii, they uh, they actually sent something in that I'm going to be covering at a later date. It's really cool. I just want to get as much information on it as I can. No, yeah, for sure. And, like, I, again, like, the more topics we have, the, the better this goes and the more fun we have. And that can kind of be, this is your chance to control a little bit of our show. So uh, everyone's always looking for a little bit of control. So <laughs> here's your chance. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not just our show. It's your show, too. Exactly. It's, you know, you guys are the reason we're doing this. You know, like, we want people to listen and we're doing it for you. So get some control and come talk to us. So for now, um, I'm going to tell you the tale of the Dancing Plague of 1518. So unlike the Dancing Plague in 1984 that was started by revolutionary leader Kevin Bacon and beset the town of Beaumont, <laughs> Oklahoma, this Dancing Plague of 1518 took place in the city of Strasbourg, Alsace. I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. It was in France in the 16th century. And since it was um, a, a dancing plague, Alsace is pretty accurate. That's what I was, that's why I was Alsace, because like, it sounds like a good place to have a dancing plague. So it was Strasbourg, Alsace, in what was then known as the Holy Roman Empire, and now it's France. Um, there's not a whole lot of surviving documents from this time period, and accurate records of individuals were scarce. But many historians believe that the Dancing Plague of 1518 began with a woman named Frau Trophea. Now, Frau is a German term meaning like a married woman. Um, and like I said, not many records are around from this time period. So historians aren't 100% certain, certain that this woman started the craze. And they don't even know her first name. They just know her as Frau Trophea. So they know her as Mrs. Trophea. Um, but most of the, the evidence strongly points to her being the start of this plague. So on the morning of July 14th, 1518, our friend Frau Trofea wandered out of her small home and began to dance in her cobbled street outside. Accounts state that she had no musical instruments with her and there was, there was not any music anywhere playing in the town. She just began to dance. Her husband pleaded with her to stop, but she refused. She danced all day and night and only stopped late, in that, late that night after she, she collapsed into a, quote, twitching heap of exhaustion. The next day, she got up, she skipped breakfast, she didn't brush her teeth, she didn't do anything, she just went outside, and she started dancing, even though her feet were incredibly swollen. When you um, feel it, you gotta go with it. Exactly. So it's like, she didn't eat, she didn't drink all day long, um, she just sat there and she danced. Um, let's wait for Just Dance Volume 1518 hitting the shelves sometime soon. By the third day, Frau Trofea had an audience that included people from all walks of life. There were beggars, merchants, priests, nuns, local leaders, and of course her poor husband, whom I can only imagine was regretting letting her wife talk to that handsome kid from Chicago who got this dancing craze stuck in her head. 
Side note, that's two footloose references for those of you who are keeping track at home. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Her dancing continued for an estimated four to six days. They don't know exactly how long she sat there and danced. Um, It kind of varied by reports. But all reports do say that at some point, authorities in the town put their collective left feet down and said, no more dancing. They threw Frau Trophia into a wagon and shipped her off 30 miles to to the town of Savarine. Another side note, I said, I, I imagine her like trying to do this like dancing and just like, no, I want to dance. And then I'm like picking her up and like laying her in the wagon and like a little feet are just like kicking and going. Oh, yeah. Like I was the, matching her doing the disco pointing while like in the back of the wagon. That works, too. I was going with uh, Lisa Simpson from the Simpsons episode where she gets the self-tapping shoes and Homer <laughs> trips her. And she's just sitting there with her legs going in the air. Uh, so that's the mental image I had. Um, and also, anyway. I, I, I can picture wearing a shirt that says, like, Baroque ain't no joke. <laughs> Betty says relax. <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. Back to the story. <laughs> um, so why did they send Frau Trofea 30 miles away to Severine? Um, besides getting rid of the dancing heathen, there was a shrine to one Saint Vitus, and the locals believed that she was cursed by the saint and that this is what was causing her dancing. Um, and I want you to remember that name because there's going to be a test later. So, Trophea gets shipped off uh, to this town, right? So the town goes back to normal, everything's great, right? Well, if it was, this would be a really shitty plague and we wouldn't be talking about it right now. So, just like our hero, Ren, infected the teenagers of that small town in Oklahoma in 1984, Frau Trofea dancing infected the minds and feet of the people of Strasbourg. They had been working so hard, punching their cards eight hours a day. <laughs> they decided to kick off their Sunday shoes. They had to cut loose, foot loose. <laughs> That's number three. <laughs> uh, okay, so they didn't all start jumping around like a flash mob and dancing. Um, but some of the people who were watching her dance in the very beginning, they began to feel the need to mimic her. And they wanted to join in so that they they wanted to feel that. So they, they, they were mimicking her and they started dancing. Within a few days, there were close to 30 people dancing for hours on end in the middle of the street. Some so, people were dancing. What? Go ahead. I would say, is this like a, a mass hysteria? Sort of. We're getting in, we'll get into that towards the end of it. Like what, what the, the thoughts on what this, what, what this was. Um, so we have 30 people dancing in the street. Some of them were dancing, quote, so monomaniacally that only death had the power to intervene. Good God. <laughs> so people were literally dancing to death. Uh, more and more people began to join in on the dancing, and the town council, like, they started to get desperate. They were operating under this assumption the whole time that the town had been cursed by the aforementioned St. Vitus. So the leaders did what good leaders should do when things turned to panic. They, list, they started to listen to these crazy people in town. And um, give me a second. I want to make sure I get this right because it's kind of weird to think about. But they listened to these people called doctors and <laughs> scientists. That's that's not real. I know. I know. I know. I thought the same thing. Like, what can science possibly have to tell us about something so obvious that it's the work of a vengeful saint, right? Like, what can science tell us? Exactly. It turns out actually not a lot. <laughs> uh, this was still the 16th century after all, and medicine was still really in its infancy. You know, um, a lot of stuff was like witch doctors and witchcraft. They didn't believe in, you know, like too much medicine stuff. So. And bloodletting, lots of bloodletting. It's exa- The doctors at this time, they believed that the dance was a, quote, natural disease, which comes from overheated blood, end quote. Absolutely. Overheated blood is it's a legitimate science. Yeah, it's a thing. 
So the treatment for this is something that was actually practiced in up until the the 1900s, you know, like up until like close to modern history. And that was to like bleed the victims, you know, you did bloodletting. But this wasn't just your ordinary dance craze. You don't just bleed out dance victims. Um, the council was like, okay, like let's bring on the treatment. And the doctors were like, uh-uh, it's already been brought in. So they said, okay, we have, um, we've heard of stuff like this before. There's been a case of dancing fever before. So there's already a treatment in place. And now brace yourself because I'm going to get some serious science coming in your way. The cure for the dancing plague was to dance it out. <laughs> That's literally the doctor's like, we're going to dance it out. <laughs> um, to me, this is kind of the equivalent of like breaking your leg and being told as our high school football coach, so eloquently put it, to just walk it off. So the council decides that this is the best course of action and they order carpenters and town folks to, trans to transform the guild halls into temporary dance floors. They were told to, quote, set up platforms in the horse market and the grain market in full view of the people. They also decided that they that these people, you know, they need to keep the cursed individuals in motion to expedite their recovery. So the council paid dozens of musicians to play drums, pipes, fiddles, horns, all kinds of musical instruments all through the throughout the day. So essentially it was like a baroque French burning man. Essentially, yeah. Um, they even called on healthy townsfolk who were not dancing to join in on the dancing to enforce a lively atmosphere to promote optimal healing conditions so that people can cure themselves. Shocker, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> it backfired horribly. Uh, the townsfolk didn't believe in the science necessarily. They were just dancing the dance. And they saw it more so as kind of like what the council said in the beginning. They saw it as an act of vengeance from this saint. So they took it as a sign that those who were not free of sin needed to be punished. And being as none of them were free of sin, they all began to join in on the dance. Most records indicate that the dancing mob went from about 30 people to over 400 townspeople. The council was like, well, fuck, we're done. And they ordered all the stages to be dismantled. They kicked all the musicians out of town and they said, you cannot dance in public. Uh, they took it a step further and they used the page out of our Beaumont, o Oklahoma playbook and they banned dancing altogether for two months. They left out <laughs> one exception. They said that, quote, if honorable persons wish to dance at weddings or celebrations of first mass in their house, they may do so using stringed instruments only. They're, they had to use their own conscience not to use tambourines or drums, end quote. So basically they're on the honor system to only play wing instruments because anyone that's been in a band, they know that drummers get all the action and the guitars just sit up there and play with themselves. I think it's um, backwards, but right on. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you would take offense to that. <laughs> At least it's not a bass player. I'm just saying. That's true. <laughs> okay. Um, so the council actually believed that the stringed instruments were less likely to bring on the mania, as they called it, because it lacked the percussion of drums and tambourines and stuff like that. Word had gotten back to them that their old friend, Frau Trophia, patient zero she's been cured miraculous the priests and holy people at the shrine of saint vitus placed her underneath a wooden carving of the said saint and they put a small cross in her hand and put red shoes on her feet they don't say what the red shoes symbolize i don't know if she's dorothy and she's trying to get home they well, definitely say that that and if you're that, trying to get somebody to not dance putting awesome shoes on them right Come that on. ain't gonna like, help i'm gonna dance around in red shoes what's wrong with you after lots of incense and incantations she was cured 
the council, upon hearing this, started to send all those afflicted by the dancing plague to the by the wagon load to Severine. Like literally, they loaded up people onto the wagons and just they shipped them out to the town. So, uh, in my head, when I was reading this, I just kept thinking of the scene in Monty Python and the Holy Grail where they're walking around the cart and they're like, "Bring out your dead! <laughs> Bring out your dead!" But in this case, they were yelling like, "Bring out your dancing fools!" And then a bunch of teenagers come running out of the woodworks, dancing and singing. And then Kenny Loggins starts singing the theme to Footless. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, essentially, fine, the they like uh, I know they essentially <laughs> just created like the world's first party bus. Exactly. Yeah, they're like, "All right, we're going to take these trains of wagons up to town while all these people are dancing in the back of the wagons." Uh, and within a couple of weeks, the people were being cured and things were going back to normal. Um, all told. The dancing plague lasted a little over a month from about mid-July to a little the end of August, early September. They don't have an exact estimate of when like the last patient came through. Um, and they don't have a total, but at the worst of the plague, there were estimates of up to 15 people dying per day. Jeez. So multiply those numbers by about a month and a half. The estimates of, again, like they didn't really keep records of who died this way. But estimates are anywhere from about 60 to 400, 500 people dying. So the mayor in Footloose might have actually been onto something. Exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing. Um, so now the big question, uh, what the fuck happened? We can we kind of look back on like our modern perspective and we assume that, okay, they're not cursed and they didn't have hot blood. No matter how hot they were, it wasn't their blood. You know, um, One ancient physician and scientist, we know his name was Paracelsus. Uh, today, he's known as the doctor, uh, the father of toxicology. He actually went to Strasbourg. He was alive in this time period. He went to Strasbourg after the, everything had kind of subsided, and he went in to investigate. And his conclusion was that Frau Trofea made this up to prank her husband. He said, quote, in order to make the deception as perfect as possible and really give the impression of illness, she hopped insane, which was all most distasteful to her husband, end quote. He classified her illness as Correa Lasciva, Lasciva, L-A-S-C-I-V-A, which roughly translates to involuntary movements caused by desires without fear or respect. And Correa Imaginativa, which you can probably figure out is involuntary movements caused by the imagination. Hmm. So he's basically saying she made it up, she's full of shit. And all the women of the town saw her trick her husband and they wanted to mimic her and trick their husbands too. Um, again, looking back on this a modern perspective, most historians and scientists say there's two problems with this theory. One, not all the victims were women. There was men dancing in the streets too. So they're not trying to trick their wives, you know. And two, Paracelsus, who is, you know, he's credited as categorizing much of medicine into what we know it as today. He's really like, he started the medical revolution. Um, but he was also a very well-known and outspoken misogynist. So he was probably just being a dick trying to pin this on women. Like, <laughs> yeah, because like the Salem witch trials, like she's a witch. Like same shit. Yeah, and like, what's the end game of tricking your husband by dancing? Like exactly, yeah, exactly, and it doesn't make any sense. Um, the one good thing about kind of talking about this and what he did do that came out of it, it was it shifted the focus away from the supernatural and the divine, and more towards like mental health, like mental well-being. Like these people were not okay in the head. Um, many historians and scientists today believe it was one of two things that could have happened. They say it was either food poisoning or, like you talked about earlier, mass hysteria. There's a fungus that exists in this region of France that is called ergot, and it grows in damp stalks of rye, and it doesn't die off 
like as you cook it out and like you knead it through the dough, it doesn't die off with heat. It stays in the bread. So if a bunch of people ate this bad bread, they would get poisoned and they'd begin to hallucinate. Ergot, yeah. by the way, contains something called lysergic acid and an enzyme called ergotamine. These are both precursors to something called lysergic acid dithelamide, also known as LSD. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so some people argue that the people of Strasbourg were just the very first EDC concert and they were all tripping balls <laughs> on some bad LSD. And um, if I'm not mistaken, that is also where they theorize that werewolves come from. Possibly, yes. Yeah, we'll get into that one later. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like Canterbury. I, I think that's... It was that, and then the vampire sparkle. I, I don't remember. I didn't see it. Yes, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> so one historian named John Waller, he says he doesn't believe it's LSD. Um, he points out that in its non-synthesized form, ergot constricts blood flow to extremities. So, like, you know, they hadn't synthesized LSD in the 16th century. Um, the ergot, like, if you get the fungus, like, the poisoning in you, it actually restricts blood flow to your extremities. So people dancing for days on end would have no blood flow to their arms and legs. So they wouldn't be able to sit there and dance this whole time. Um, the final theory, the one that I think is the most credible and the one I kind of tend to believe is true is that of like the mass hysteria. Um, that same historian, John Waller, has done a lot of work with this in particular and the other cases of this in the area. Um, and he points to the living conditions at the time you know many people were poor they were starving they generally were living pretty terrible lives and add to that that there were multiple cases like i mentioned earlier um the dancing plague up and down the rhine river um this wasn't the first time they'd already heard about that and they knew about it um that's how they knew about the dancing treatment um and some of these cases dated back to 1374 so you know almost 200 years of these cases popping up um, so you're living this terrible life. You hear of all these things happening around you. And Waller argues that they're suffering like all this bad stuff. It manifested into a psychotic break for a few people and it grew into hysteria for the rest. Uh, the town council stated that they thought it was the work of the vengeful, vengeful St. Victus. And everyone kind of got so focused on this bad stuff happening that the hysteria just grew and grew. It was a way for them to kind of forget about how bad things were. And like, they could focus on the bad stuff and they can focus on, let's just go dance and they forgot about their lives they got a little bit of attention it was kind of a good thing for them um now looking back on it from a modern perspective we really know how stress uh affects the mind and how people respond differently and you can have different breaks um and it just kind of happened on a much grander scale for them um stress can make us do all kinds of crazy things and then 1518 it caused the whole town to kind of break out and dance um a final note on the dancing plague from a medical standpoint uh i talked about paracelsus uh he gave us a bunch of the korea categorizations and there's one that we actually still use today and it's called sydenham's korea and it's characterized by involuntary movements and is usually caused by the streptococcus infection like strep throat you get it as a kid if it goes untreated it becomes rheumatic fever uh this rarely strikes anyone older than the age of 16 but it can be be left deadly when it's left untreated. Um, the more common and non-scientific name for Sydenham's Korea is St. Victus's Dance. Oh, and that, my amazing <laughs> listeners, is the story of the Dancing Plague of 1518. But did they try injecting bleach or somehow getting so. ultraviolet yeah. light? Yeah, or just spray Lysol on everything. I don't think it worked. Gotcha, gotcha. But yeah, uh, that's actually really fascinating to know how many people were actually affected to the point that they danced to death? Yeah. They said that majority of the causes of 
the um the deaths were either from stroke or heart attack from exertion they were just they wouldn't stop that's insane yeah um and it's pretty crazy because a lot of stuff like reading about it they talk about like how scientists today are like oh that's like this would never happen in like modern day but then they point to like different mass hysteria things that have happened and then they also point to you know i kind of touched on it briefly and like we've talked about it you know like throughout the 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 topic you know you had mentioned things about like the first like you know going to like the big party bus or like the the big burning man you know we do have things today where it's you know two three day concerts where you're out in the middle of the desert may or may not be doing illegal drugs not drinking enough water but there's people that are dancing for hours on end and people die out there yeah you know so it's something very on not the same scale because this is kind of unexplainable um you know they, they try to explain it with like the mass hysteria and the things that are going on but we still to this day kind of do the same thing just you know we are actually instead of eating bad bread where some people are using actual drugs that induce a hallucinogenic effect yeah but like and, it's it's the same thing you know yeah and the damage is absolutely real I, i've gone to a few of those desert concerts and like I remember seeing just pulling into the parking lot, people who were partying for days on end pass yeah. out driving mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they have to get pulled out of their cars in the parking lot. Um, it, it's a, it's a very, very real thing. So, I mean, the moral of that story is hydrate, take care yeah. of yourselves. And, uh, yeah, I, I definitely can see how something like this could happen today in a different area. I mean, yeah, definitely <laughs> a different capacity, different area, but very similar circumstances absolutely yeah so it was, it was pretty crazy when i was looking at it i was like this is nuts literally and it's yeah, all yeah. because of uh warm blood or, or hot blood yeah like it's just it's and it's funny to look at like where medicine was then and like compared to now and like we're still facing the same problem like if you compare it you know like to us like we're talking about like going to a three-day party in the desert you know people are still passing out and dying of like heat exhaustion same exact cause of death you know like you can have a a, you know heat stroke a stroke you know heart attack but it's just you know we have a better understanding of it and we can prevent it more whereas back then they were kind of just like oh it's the hot blood let's (laughs) dance it out of them like (laughs) it just doesn't make sense yeah and uh, also it's the original excuse me the original theory of it about how it was you know i'm still trying to wrap my head around how somebody would be like well that wife was just trying to fool her husband that crazy Except, woman, yeah. like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that's like a lot of things they talk about. It's like Paracelsus was, he was a pretty well-known misogynist that he's just like, it's, you know, whatever the women do, it's their fault. Like, <laughs> and honestly, that's, that's, that's basically what he was saying. And that's why they said it doesn't really hold water, the case, because it wasn't just women that were having the issue. Like there was men as well. Like, and you're pretty biased towards like the female sex. Like you just can't, you can't do that. Right. So yeah, as much as he did to help science, he was also kind of a dick. And I love that it took like, you know, a, a couple of centuries to be like, boom, in your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but it happened. <laughs> yes, eventually. Yes. It took a long time. And some would argue we're still not there. But, you know, it, we're getting there. It's we're better getting than there. it was, I guess. Yeah. I, I mean, the first step's admitting. And I think a lot of people are now admitting that <laughs> that stuff like that happened in the past and it's happening today. So first step that's not okay to ban rock and roll <laughs> and dancing dancing should be legal for everyone at all times that's my last footloose reference <laughs> <laughs> i was like waiting for a good like you know and then they took the baby and put it in a corner nobody puts baby in a corner that's true isn't that dirty dancing though it, it was but you okay, know yeah. dancing and the 80s it's, yeah it's all dancing <laughs> it's all the same but yeah man awesome story and i have heard briefly about it before but i've never delved into it so it's really interesting to mm. hear 
how it's still, although it was a while back, it's still very relatable. Yeah, and it's it really opens like the the box of mass hysteria. And there's other mass hysteria events that I'm probably cover later on in the podcast. But um, cool, it's a good show. I appreciate it. And we did a good job, I think. Yeah, tonight I thought was yeah, pretty well. yeah, we did good. We did good <laughs> things. So yeah, like, comment, subscribe, share this. How can they reach out to us? Yeah, so we have a lot of social medias out there. Um, our Instagram is at Bearded Things Pod. Facebook is facebook.com slash Bearded Things. Uh, the Twitter is at Bearded Things. YouTube is Bearded Things Pod. We have a website. It's www.beardedthings.com. We are also on most streaming sites now. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Anchor. You know a podcast site, we're on it. And looking at our analytics, a lot of you know that we're out there. Just come find us. Yeah, find us and let people know that we're there. And uh, Yes, please. Tell your friends. Totally, because we care about them too. You're all our bearded friends, and we just want to make yeah. this big bearded community. Definitely. So, yeah, man, awesome job tonight. And Thank you. We will uh, talk again next week. Yeah, let's do this again in a week. Bye.